1: And back to review, Origin 2 and Boxhead, I was not expecting that scoreline.
2: No, but I... Yeah. Circumstances contributed to that, so... Uh, yeah, that's, that's footy sometimes, isn't it? And particularly when you're on uh, at the elite level. Once one side falls away and the other side sort of gets their, uh, their tail up, it, it can become quite hard to stem the flow but <clears throat> I sort of agree with what Billy Slater said I, I think the first 50 minutes was more than a contest and for whatever reason I think it was yeah possession and fatigue other uh, you know other reasons that have been attributed but uh, you, you would like to think is that if you're a Queensland fan that you would be a little bit better under pressure and under fatigue than what they were at the back end of that game but yeah, it all, it all now leads into to game three, and we got to decide it decider and that's what we that's what we want. So, yeah, looking forward to game three in Queensland, which will be a, a cracker, no doubt. Yeah,
1: and as we always know, it's uh, it's a completely different game, completely different environment. Everything that happens prior basically means nothing when you go up there. We've been a couple of times, uh, obviously when New South Wales weren't having their greatest run, but every time we went up there, they got absolutely polaxed.
2: Yeah, I'm over from four intersiders up there,
1: so Yeah, I think i went with you twice, I'm over two. And they especially I think the last time we went was when we were down almost thirty points at half time and then they scored before Meninga even got back to the box. So yeah. um different state of play in terms of teams and where we're at and we have a much better spine, much better depth and a greater situation. Um uh, Obviously now, but still, it's it's definitely not a hard, not an easy place to go get the job done. So if uh, anyone from last night is under any illusions that we're going to walk up there and just take the shield back, I'd be thinking again before you get that idea in your head. But 44-12, 56 missed tackles, 60-40 possession. Um, we completed almost 90%. They were down at 75. Eight line breaks to two. Outgained by almost 800. 300 extra post contact meters at, like in all areas. They pretty much dominated. The funny thing is, Queensland actually won the penalty count. And I was going to say that on watching um, today while I was still at work, I was sort of having to watch it in five and ten minute blocks. The 50 minutes, you're 100% right, was pretty competitive. But the biggest thing I'll say is, we were still almost our own worst enemy. Almost any time it felt like New South Wales pick at the first half were gaining ascendancy or put a good kick in or did something decent, they gave away a penalty or helped them out or handcuffed. An error and a penalty back-to-back And invited Queensland to have the chances they did have So Looking at
2: the first 20 minutes like Yeah You want to talk about the first 20 They Queensland led I think what it was at 6-2 Yep After Kifushi scored And You're sort of like Whoa Jeez As a New South Wales fan I felt like Wow I thought we We had the ascendancy in that period And we found ourselves down You know 6-2
1: yeah, so actual penalties, yeah. I know uh, I saw some people saying afterwards, oh, you know, they, they got what they wanted after they win, but they still ended up winning the penalty count. So I think New South Wales, again, still definitely got some areas to improve on. I think the back three, much like game one, were absolutely outstanding. Big difference this time around with Nathan and the kicking side of things. was obviously able to kick a lot less pressure. His kicking game was outstanding. Burton chimed in with a couple of good options. Uh, and overall, the forward changes, like I said, I didn't agree with all of them. And I'll happily put my hand up and say they, they got the job done. But I, yeah, I definitely can't see a game again where the possession is that lopsided. And in particular, from that Sinbin period onwards, um, it sort of went set for set. Once they got back to 13 men for a period, then it just felt like New South Wales were down their end for almost 15 minutes straight, where they finally broke their back.
2: <laughs> yeah, it felt like every time Queensland scored, we had an answer. And it was, it was a little bit the other way in game one. Whenever we sort of scored, they had an answer. So, yeah, it was a weird, particularly the first half was was strange. Yeah, it was a weird half of footy. But, uh, yeah, look, I think the better, the better team won for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely agree with that. And I think probably the bigger one for me in this game, like last time we struggled to get going, obviously the ruck, we didn't lay in, we didn't slow them down. They seemed to win that area. They won the middle of the field. This time around, there's no doubt who won the middle of the field, who was better in the ruck, the set distances for the game. New South Wales averaged 43 metres a set, Queensland only 27. Their forward pack was just not not able to impact the game. They only had one player carry over 100 metres, which was Pat Carrigan. Um, you had the A.O.B.'s Ponga was the only man who sort of made an imprint on the game, and Torlagi, again, the only one to carry over 100 metres so in that side of things just not able to really impact the game Um, Ponga obviously probably the shining light particularly the first half and in those good moments there was able to skip outside Jerome Luai when he sort of folded backwards and Burton come up past the ball and put Felice through and then later on obviously the other side of the field just absolutely danced around Critter like he, he he was man on before you know he skipped to the outside got through which led to the Munster try so I guess you can sort of probably take that away if you knew South Wales and look on the video about how quickly um, you know, they, they took advantage when they did get good ball opportunities and a lot of that was given. Well,
2: that, that wasn't even <clears throat> that wasn't even good ball. That was from about midfield where they stripped him and Pong went around Crichton and they scored it. I wouldn't even call that um, I wouldn't even call that good ball. Like it was it was alarming finish up Wales how easily that happened. Maybe maybe we were a little bit more passive defensively because it was midfield. Uh, and, and just felt as though we could, you know, we had the numbers and were able to solve it. But once he got one on one, he just went straight around, and Tupou didn't come in on his inside shoulder. And yeah, they stripped us. When, when you look at um, actual time inside our half, Queensland only had six minutes of ball inside our half, which is yeah, extremely low. Like they had 26 minutes of, of um, sorry, 20 minutes of 21 minutes of actual ball in play time
0: with the ball Queensland and only six, six minutes were um, inside New South Wales 50 mm. so you think, you think that's going to change particularly with possession
2: uh, but yeah New South Wales had 31 minutes of actual time with the ball and half of that time was spent inside Queensland's half so that, that gives you a
1: bit of an indication almost three times as much ball inside their 50 yeah, I think that's probably the, the, the only worry we sort of had, that in an even-share game, um, without the sin bin and that, probably that extra bit of fatigue and all the extra good ball, New South Wales started off a little bit similar to game one. They were very one-out-of-the-yardage. Too many set-up plays. They tried to play side-to-side off slow play the balls. It still wasn't quite what you would have hoped for um, when you injected all those Penrith players. And we talked about ourselves. When you watch Penrith week-to-week week and the way they like to play, I still don't think they've been given complete freedom to do as they please, which sort of confuses me. Because, again, uh, you know, to Freddie's credit, they got the job done. But he's not a full-time coach. I don't know how much coaching or influence he wants to have over the way they play. But I'd honestly just hand it over to those guys to do what they want. Because Penrith are just relentless in good ball. They like to have multiple shots. They don't have as many set-up plays. They're, They're just completely relentless. So I know later in the game, we obviously saw some points and, Bit of pay dirt, but yeah, there was periods there where we looked frantic, still a bit disorganised, and I think we finally calmed down once the sin bin happened and they grabbed that try before half time.
2: Yeah, leading up to that, leading up to the try, we had um, seven sets of possession in a row, so that tells you a little bit about <clears throat> you know how much ball we had in that the back end of that period before half time. Um, yeah, well, when you were talking about completions before, the Maroons in the first half, they had 44% of the ball and completed it at 83%. So they would have actually, um, and they were 15 from 18. So they would have gone in at half-time and gone, like, we've done well here to be yeah. 14-12, particularly with the man in the sin bin. And then when Felice Cafusti got on the field back to 13, it was still 14 12. But like you said earlier, like second half, Queensland went um, Queensland went thirteen from nineteen in the second half and only had um, only had thirty six percent of the ball. That that just kills ya. absolutely kills you. And second half, New South Wales completions actually improved. They completed at ninety percent second half, so
1: hmm. And I think...
2: when territory, like, New South Wales had 60% of the territory in,
1: in both halves, Queensland, 40%, so... Yeah.
2: Now, like, what, what are the what are the fixes for that? Like, I guess discipline is, is the biggest one. Like, Queensland made 10 errors. That's far too many. New South Wales made four. So, and then you look at penalties. Yeah, they, they won the penalty count, like you said. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. I just think, yeah, that, that all those circumstances, particularly in the middle, that middle period of the game where they had Felice Kufusi off, uh, New South Wales, the possession that New South Wales had during that period was just huge. Queensland only had five sets of six during that twenty-minute period. Yeah, and on the back of it New as South well, New South Wales had sixteen
0: sets during that
2: period of time. I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a bar graph at the moment.
1: Yeah and on the yeah. on the back of that as well Not to mention like we said They obviously get him back on the field But then they did themselves no favours That had the Toulage drop Which invited us back inside after multiple sets Cobbo made another error Gave us good field position So we had multiple chances We had <laughs> um, to... Yeah when you were talking about back three before The New
2: South Wales back three Went 720 metres to Queensland's 295
1: Yeah and 30 tackle busts as well <laughs> It's pretty sure. So, you're talking about not only just the meters, set starts, field position, territory, where you're playing the football, yeah, you know, dis- disrupting rucks, extra efforts, repeat tackles, broken down play. Like, yeah, our back three were incredible, and probably another point to what, you know, opened things up in the second half. The transition, which, you know, coming out of the backfield instead of just taking one out, scoots, our back three started to link up. Our centres started to get there as well and actually help out a bit, and we were moving the ball. Out of yeah, it was just
2: one of our criticisms out of the first game, wasn't it? So yeah, just two one out and not even really looking for a pass or looking to break them up. We just sort of ran into them and then we just run our back three into them for the first three plays and expect to, for that to work.
1: Yeah, and your your two leaders for the second half in particular, James Tedesco and Nathan Cleary. Now on watching again, Nathan Cleary's kicking game with some actual cover and playing a bit more off the front foot was outstanding. But the transition and the backfield yeah. was led by Teddy. And I'm not taking anything away from Brian and, and, and Tupo who were both outstanding as well. But Tedesco in particular, with some of those transition plays, like, there's just real simple moments. One where he caught and he just jumped down a short side, took about 15 metres, tipped on to Martin, 30, does that double yeah. effort where he jumps on the back of it, gets midfield, pinballs off a couple of blokes. Like, that those two were critical in the second half at just taking advantage. Tedesco really leading us with our set starts and our field position. That just allowed Nathan to put his hands all over the game. He started touching the ball a lot more. He worked the middle third um, twice there, obviously figured out in way, as everyone could see on TV that the deck was very slippery, both his tries coming back against the grain when they finally decided to play a little bit more direct and stop the sideways bullshit off slow play, the balls and... That first one, when I saw it on replay, in particular, you know, three guys fell over when he cut back on the inside. So I wish maybe a little bit earlier we would have changed the angle up a little bit or tried to drop back on the inside. The only time we sort of counted their edge defence jamming was the Matt Burton try, where after getting jammed and stopped a few times, Nathan obviously put the kick in behind to sort of you know put a bit of a warning shot there. I guess if they were going to jam, we'll show something else and hit paid it paid out as well.
2: Yeah, but clearly yeah, his kicking game, like you said, particularly second half was was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And just his control, some of the kicks to force repeat sets and kicks into space, forced a uh, line dropout as well during that time. Yeah. And he was our dominant kicker, which was good. The second second dominant kicker was Burton. Burton actually kicked the ball five times, which we highlighted in our preview that's something we wanted to see and it was effective I think he got for the five kicks he actually got two results
1: yeah i, I tell you the other thing for him he lands those long kicks in good position it wasn't just hit and hope like he yes, threw that's right. it.
2: they're not hitting hope that's nah. why actually I, I was I was hoping that New South Wales would um, you know utilise
1: it yeah well they they certainly did and like I said two or three of them he threw up landed inside 10 and that, that's the other difference this game that like we talked about where you hand over the football game one they handed us the football inside 10 inside 20 flat you know bash and bomb a lot more often than what we did to them we were kicking from poor positions not chasing letting them get to midfield this time around you know kobo Tualangi those sort of guys weren't given any leeway any freedom that we constantly put them inside 10 or 20 in the corners and made them come out one out and uh, they just did not have the effect this game as they did last game. And in particular, that very harsh period after the Sinbin where they only got the transition you know, cycle for a couple of sets. And then we had a dominant period there off the back of, like you said, Nathan's repeat, drop from Tulangi, drop from Cobbo, a couple of penalties. like it, it was almost a 80% possession, I think they said, for a 10 or 15-minute period there and in, in probably for 20 minutes. that yeah, it was. I just, I just said that. Was, I think it was 16 sets to five or something like that. Mm. So... Yeah, on replay again today it was harder watching it broken up but really narrowing it down for 50 minutes I thought they did very well to hang on Um, I I must say again I felt for New South Wales dominance that a lot of the opportunities that were given to Queensland were self-inflicted with penalties um, and handcuffing back to back but it was nice to see I guess that um, you know feeling that they were in control that they finally sort of broke it open Um, you know if, if they wouldn't have been able to find a way to break them down with all the Territory possession and opportunity—you'd be severely worried. Yeah, agree, hundred percent. But if, if attacking wise, you got to watch that last sort of 30-35 If you Brad Fittler and go, this is what we need to do. We can't be having too many one outs. We can't be shifting sideways off slow play the balls like they—they they were a lot more direct. They changed directions a few times. Um, it was just—it was a lot more concise about what they wanted to do. The kicking game was great. The transition game from the backfield was great probably just highlight more that second half and what they did there and that's what they need to do heading up to Queensland.
2: Yeah, but they also need to understand that they own the right to do that. You're not just going to be able to do that off, you know, during periods where you're cycling and going set for set. They have to build pressure and build fatigue into Queensland like we did in, in, you know, in that first 50 minutes.
1: Yeah, and again uh, like I said, I'm, I'm going to pay the biggest credit to the back three. they were outstanding um, not, not to say the forwards weren't good, the forwards did their job, but no, nothing comes off the back of anything without those back three doing the job they did. Our set starts, our field position, the way we kick things off was incredible Yeah, 100%. Um, like I said, I, I didn't agree with the forwards, I had to put my hand up Jake yeah. and all those guys certainly did their job, um, but yeah I, I think the highlights for me the back three, the halves, again, like Cleary's influence on the game. And I, I think Burton, probably not so much the yardage stuff, but he just had some quality moments between the kicks, a one-on-one steal, that left edge moment where you saw the Penrith left edge just looked very smooth. Um, you know, that, it's a fairly handy debut to have. Yeah,
2: he was, uh, yeah, he was really, really
1: good.
2: Uh, and, and Paul... Part will be, like, if you're going to have Luttrell on right and Wright come back, like, can you fit them all in? Do you drop Crichton? So there's a few headaches that are going to pop up. Finish that well. It's good headaches so though, I think.
1: Yeah, I think the bench he used, you know, a bit differently again. Like, but I'm not a huge fan of constantly swapping the back rows and chopping and changing, but I obviously didn't impact this game. But I thought Paulo's job this time, he did what we needed him to do in game one, uh, a lot more direct, a lot more forceful. So I guess, yeah, the biggest question, we, we talk about changes and there was bulk changes, but after a result what would you do for game three? But I guess, yeah, Jack Whiten was out because of COVID. Burton certainly did a job, but Jack was basically our best player, along with James Tedesco, like probably one and two. So if, if you find a way to get him back in, if I was going to drop one of them, it'd be Crichton on the right before it would be Burton. But at the same time, if Latrell plays a game or two, would they consider bringing him back? So it's it's certainly a... Certainly, a, a a good headache, I guess, to have. But at the same time, off a win like that, do you really want to chop and change? No, but
2: you know that he's probably he's going to want to get Whiten back in the team. Well,
1: if I was going to put White back in, and again, he you didn't do anything. He, he didn't do anything wrong last night, but they only put him on basically because the game was over. I'd replace Talakai with Whiten
2: and keep. So you carry White and. Cook on
1: the bench well I don't really agree how we used our hookers but last night in that game it obviously didn't end up playing a huge factor I was surprised that Arpy got the lesser share of the minutes uh, not that Cook did anything wrong again but certainly didn't think he was critical in you know anything we certainly did but um, in, in a crunch game I would have preferred Arpy to get the dominant share of minutes but I guess we didn't get yeah, a real... yeah I agree with that yeah and we didn't, we didn't really get a real glimpse at what you know, what we are worried about or what I was particularly worried about in terms of what our middle rotation would be or how we'd use the players. I think in a game where it's 50-50 there, he either wouldn't have used Talakai or he would have had to consider playing him as a middle. I think he had a luxury with the scoreline to be able to put him on the edge in the end, give Yo a bit of a rest. and Angus got an early injection with a the HIA, then they rolled him out there as well. He, he flipped Martin to an opposite side that he usually plays to put Murray on the other edge. like The whole back row combination thing I don't really like the constant yeah, chopping yeah. changing. Um, I was happy that Yo got to play like a clean 70 in the middle. and Again, his impact did, wasn't as big and it didn't need to be because of the way it was coming out of the backfield. and They were certainly shifting a hell of a lot. Um, but, yeah, I think in a tougher game up in Queensland, I, I, I don't know what he's going to do. But I think if you were going to have somebody miss out just purely to have best players on field, I, I wouldn't be fiddling with a left edge. I know Crichton... Um, had that one moment where he got beaten on the outside. There was a few moments there where he made some leg tackles. that probably led to some quicker play of the balls. But if you were going to say that one of the centres was going to go for Luttrell to come in, I think Crichton would be the one that would be missing out for me. But again, Luttrell generally plays left. Would you flip Burton to the right? Do you play Luttrell on the right? Does it really matter for Luttrell? Or?
2: Yeah, who knows, man. It's just, just going to be interesting to see how he how attacks that.
1: Yeah, no. I guess the biggest question people will be sitting here going, "Why the fuck are you talk about that?" They just won by forty, and that's the point I'm making. But with Freddie, you have no idea what he's thinking. Like he he, he comes out of that probably maybe thinking. Well, we you know, need
2: to we need to talk about it because it's gonna it's gonna happen. Like, but you can chop up you can chop up last night's result all you want. We've done that. We've given you the reasons why why not. You now need to project forward and go okay. Well, how how do we make the team better? Because the team's gonna need to be better. You can sit on your laurels all you want, but. You're gonna to need to be better going up to, to Suncorp in a decider. We did this after uh, the game in November when we had we won at ANZ Stadium, we spanked them after losing in Adelaide when we lost that unlosable series. Then we went up to Queensland and got our asses handed to us. Mm. Yeah, of so yeah, the mindset that not that we've lost, but you need to almost treat it as as though you've lost, be as critical as what you would be when you when you lose. After you win, that's the challenge. Not just to fall in love with what you did and just think it's all going to be okay for the next game because that's not what actually happens. You need to try and make your team better if you can.
1: Yeah, well, you've got, like you said, Luttrell and White and certainly if Luttrell plays some good football. Um, you know, in terms of middles, last night, Payne Haas had an ankle injury to go along with the two shoulders he got needled. We have to wait and see how his health pans out over the next week or two. He's now carrying another problem. Um, so that'll be interesting to see what happens there. We obviously played light last night, but we were never really put in a position, like I said, where he had to really worry about his middles or what happened there. Um, So that's something that definitely has to be considered moving forward. But on the Queensland side of things, I guess Munster's their biggest question mark. He got hurt early in the second half. He ended up finishing the game but pretty much was a non-factor. He certainly wasn't a big reason they lost. His moments were still quality in the first half when they did have their opportunities, but they're saying... Yeah, they're saying AC joint. Potentially that is a comfort thing, or can you inject it? Could be two weeks, could be four weeks. Um, I'm assuming if he's good to go or, you know, Melbourne agrees and the medical side all agrees, he'll probably get needled. Um, he'll play. No doubt he'll play.
0: They'll no, no, speculate about it. They'll be talking about it until
1: an hour before kickoff. He's going to play for sure. I think our sort of question again last night for them is probably a question we've had over Freddie a lot of times. It's just the use of interchange, so... Tino, last night, only got 38 minutes. Papali, again, played 26 minutes, an even shorter first stint, and then a very short second stint. Arrow got 25. I know he had HIA, but not a lot of minutes. And, and Nanai, when he came on, missed a very, very poor one-on-one tackle with Jerome Luai, and then wasn't tied in when Felice come across on the other trial where, you know, Angus just drove a bus through that gap. But I guess... I think, like, you know, I know Collins does a job and Carrigan does a job, but when you've got a a bench predominantly made up of middles and rotation, I wouldn't be leaving anyone out there that long, and especially with the amount of defence and work they did last night. Like, I think he needed to make changes earlier, freshen up his middle.
2: Yeah, but there were signs in the first game that he was struggling with his rotations because I think he made... Did he make five changes in the first half last game? I oh, think he did. He, he was the fourth. So I think he made three. Three in a row. He went bang, bang, bang in about the 25-minute mark. Yeah, I mean, he had two injuries. He did both middles and he did his hooker. And then he, he obviously had those two force changes that that hurt him a little bit. But, yeah, it's, it's a different one. And this why I, I keep talking about. I just think you can, we confuse our benches too much in origin. right? But carry a hooker, yeah. I carry someone that could cover back row centre, and then I just take two middles. And I'd, I'd almost just say to the hooker, like, mate, you're going to go. you injury cover, or you're an injection cover. You're a game call. And you know, you might not get on. Simple as that. Uh, yeah, I think if Appy's your best hooker, then why is he only playing play thirty minutes? Or is it, or is it just an admission that you know maybe Cook?" Cook didn't handle the the opening or he didn't have the gas to finish last game. Like, he... I don't quite understand the strategy there. So, I thought we we brought Cook on at a crucial time of the game, which tells tells me that maybe Fittler still considers him the number one hooker. And he just wanted to put Appy in there for that initial period. Maybe he thinks he's better defensively. Maybe he thinks his deception's a little bit better when... You know their, their middle forwards were fresh, uh, but the not the issue. But the the problem that that then creates is that you're going to use. Like last night he only used the one interchange there. But if you want to get Appy back on for the back end of the game, yeah, two changes, you use two interchanges, which essentially means you can only get those bench players on and off once. Whereas if you, yeah, you don't have a hooker or you don't use your hooker, you only use your hooker once, so buys you that extra interchange. Yeah, so, and not reset I think off. that'll come into play. I think interchanges will be important in that last game.
0: But, you know, when you sit down and you do an interchange plan, you're always planning
2: for best-case scenario. You don't always plan for, you know, things that happen. And, you know, Queensland have had things happen in both games, the sin binning and the fatigue last night, the injuries in game one. Mm, that's... Whereas I think New South Wales will sort of, had a clean run in it, and like you said, I don't, I don't love the swapping and changing of back rowers and you know everything that, that goes on with New South Wales. But again, that's how Freddie wants to do it, so you know it is what it is. Um, yeah, I
1: it. I'd, I'd just be more interested. Like I said, if that game was more a contest, how would he would use these middles? So obviously, well,
2: you would think you would think this third game's definitely going to be a contest. He was able
1: to play Jake for seventy. Uh, Haas pushed out. 40, um, you know, Murray played almost 60, Yoan Martin played 70, and then his bench, Paulo got 43, Crichton got 34, Sifer only got the last 17, so he, he did minimal change in the middle, it was more his edges, that he found rotation and rolled some guys from edge to middle, but yeah, in a game where it's a bit more of an arm wrestle, a 50-50 game, things are going back and forth, oh, I think you'd rather have two reliable middles, like you said, and one guy like Crichton who can play edge or back row or center if you really need him to
0: So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, Better to get 20, 20, 20 to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? Sold! Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: I, I guess last night didn't really give us a real example of what would have happened. Um, and then like the hook situation, like you said, he put Cook on the Everett. The whole talk was Cook will come on after the stings taken out, and he'll let loose. And he was on during the dominant period where we had all the running. And I, I guess again, it wasn't really his job to run, so uh, I can't really criticise the numbers. He only had a couple of darts for eight meters, but at that time our halves wanted the football. They were very very dominant. Um, Nathan, obviously, the one who really put his stamp on the game. So I'll, I'll at least. You know, say that he did his job in that regard and gave the ball and did his job, but yeah, I'm, I'm also. We looked far, look far better at hooker last
2: night than what
0: we did in game one.
1: Mm. But um, yeah, the numbers, like we said, reflect particularly the back three combined uh, in terms of runs, 71 carries, like you said, close to over 700 meters and 30 tackle breaks are incredible. That was the real foundation for everything, and off the back of that having that smaller mobile forward pack, they didn't have to bear the brunt as much. The ruck was a lot freer and the halves uh, obviously kicked a lot better, controlled a lot better. And um, Nathan had a real dominant performance. I thought Tedesco, as you said last night, was right there with him uh, for man in the match. And I'd say right now in both games, he's probably been, you know, equal best, if not second best. And for me right now, if he has another game like that, he'd be man of the series. He's been outstanding. Yeah, I think
2: he's man of the series at the moment. I think he was the second best player on the field.
1: In both games so far he was, uh, Yeah, he was really good again And Like I said, I'm, uh, I've am i been critical of Jake I'll give him his, his dues He did his job last night He didn't meddle as much in the ball playing Which I was happy about He did his job, uh, along with all those middles But again, I'm paying huge respects to that back three They were ridiculous yep. So, for Queensland, I guess on the flip side Possible changes for them Ponga has been ruled out this week He's had multiple concussions in a short period of time some people question, you know, Cobo was he ready? Um, he came up with four errors last night, game two. Dane Gagai, who's been just a mainstay and so busy and so good for so long for Queensland, was just absolutely non-existent. He had a shocker defensively. He wasn't busy in yardage. He, he barely made an impact on this game. And I guess from a Ford perspective, I, I like Jeremiah Nenai, but I think all along, and I said it again before this game, I would have carried Flagler before Arrow, and then now look at him in a game where I think for them, they just need their middles to keep ticking over. Like, 1-7, to seven, they're not going to make any changes. The 2-9 situation, you can push Hunt to 13 if you really, really want. But I think in that game, especially last night, for the periods there where you, you didn't have the football and your middles did a lot of defence, you need to roll your middles more often. Like, Papali can definitely play more than 25 minutes. Tino should have played more than 38 minutes. And I know they had a couple of HIAs, which gave them some free changes, but... Yeah. I, I think he really underutilised his middle, and I, I'd want to strengthen my bench. So I, I'd probably be saying goodbye to either Nani or Arrow, and I'd be putting Flegler in. Yeah, I could look at that. Um, but Yeah, other
2: than that... that was, I think Arrow's got can play middle and edge.
1: Yeah, and that's probably my only thing. I think you've got to have somebody there to do that job. Um, I think Nani purely an edge, but as an 18-year-old, in a game like that, I, I'd want another middle. If they're going to keep rotating so heavily, or short minutes for those other guys, which I still quite can't understand because Papali could easily punch out 40. Um, I, I think they need to have somebody else there. Flegler's certainly mobile. He's got second phase. He's got foot footwork. I, I think they need a bigger footprint in the middle. Yeah. So, now, like we said, everything we know, you can throw it out the window. All those numbers, the missed tackles, the possession, the completions, everything, um, at a decider in Queensland is no given. So... See what happens. There could be injuries, there could be things that we've talked about that mean nothing in two weeks' time with the club games in between. We always know that something will change and there'll be some names thrown up. Suspensions potentially, there's two from this game. Nathan obviously got put on report. I'm not sure if Murray Tulagi ended up on a report, but there'll no doubt be some controversy. I mean, sure does. Yeah, there'll, there'll no doubt be some controversy, some injury or something happened between now and game three.
2: Well, shouldn't a charge be out for Cleary on out?
1: Oh, I haven't seen anything. I've only rang you just as I got home. Yeah, um,
2: I, I, yeah I'm not saying that you should have seen her. I'm just... I, I'm pretty sure that the, the charges come out the next day. Uh,
1: I'm just going to... Hold on, I'm on the website now. So, Damien Cook got charged for dangerous contact. Um, so, he's just fined. And um, that looks like the only charge from the game. So, it looks like... <laughs> yep. Clear he wasn't charged and either was Torlagi. Yeah, so there you go. Damien Cook was charged 5 to 7% of his match fee. So a couple hundred bucks taken out of his uh, 15000 Yeah. So there you go. All clear. But yeah, we've obviously got a game. Uh, is it a game or two games in between? It's 17 days now. Uh, t- only, oh, I, think two, I don't know. They
2: picked the, they'll
1: pick the origin squads this Sunday, weren't they? So they play this weekend. So end of this weekend is Sunday the 3rd, and the game's on yeah. the 14th. So the week after is a four. Yeah, so this weekend's the only round in between, and then their origin, no origin plays the week after. Yeah. So we'll have to see who gets through this weekend. Obviously, the first game, mainly in the Storm, uh, Munster highly unlikely to back up. DCE and Jake, you'd think, would. Uh, we know that Pong has already ruled out for the Friday game against Newcastle. Penrith are playing the Roosters at home, surely, in the situation there. And I'm, I'm sure the Roosters would be hoping so, because they pushed all in last round uh, up against Melbourne. And then Melbourne backed all their players up. I'm sure they're hoping that Penrith rests all their origin players.
2: Well, why would they? They played on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I know. but I'm just thinking with what they've got and the depth they've got, I know the, what the Roosters would be hoping. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, I just think that's unrealistic. It's not going to happen.
1: Cowboys Broncos, um, big implications for top four. Obviously Haas likely to miss the Cowboys. On the other hand, I know they lost Cotter pre-origin, but they've got a couple of big wins without him. South big game for them up against Parramatta. Uh, need to keep winning. Warriors return to New Zealand up against the Tigers. And two teams with minimal origin impact: the Dragons and Raiders. Probably the least impact on the Sunday. So you've got Benny Hunt with his you know normal turnaround and. Josh Parley as well. Yep. Yeah. Um, but moving on from origin, quick review of the, the rep round over the weekend. Uh, the women's origin game, Brock. Do you happen to catch much of that? No, I didn't because we were playing that night. So oh, okay. No, I, didn't, I didn't see it at
2: all. I saw the result. I uh, saw some of the highlights. So it looked... Yeah, it looked a good game. I think Queensland looked like they snatched it there with the kick and then the, the young lady was offside, so... Uh, I, I thought the New South Wales fullback isn't she an unreal player
1: Tonagato yeah Tonagato was... yeah is it
2: Emma
0: Tonagato
1: yep unreal Isabel Kelly had an absolute cracker as usual the two centres are always very very dangerous um, and the young Newcastle girl Caitlin Johnston off the bench she was outstanding in the front row she had a huge impact on the game but yeah that veteran spine like I talked about in the preview Upton then you got Briginshaw there and uh Brittany Brayley, Nardi, like that, they, they had a big impact on the game. But the difference in the end, you know, there's just a lot of quality in that New South Wales team. Br- Br-
2: Brigham's Shaw is high intellect, isn't she? She just, she gets it. She's a very, very good player.
1: Yeah, and I, like I said, I think their spine probably had a little bit more to it. But New South Wales, a lot of talent across the park, and like you just mentioned, Tonagato had a big impact. Kelly uh, had a huge impact on the game. Come up with the game winner. Surges with a couple of broken fingers. Played well. Dib, after making a debut a couple of years ago, getting dropped, fought away way back in. She had a, a solid game and uh, Boyle and the typical from that their forward pack was really, really good. But yeah, Johnston, off the bench, she, she made a huge impact on the game. And um, I didn't get to see the Nineties women's game, but I saw a, a replay of that try from the young fullback. Went 120 metres or whatever. That was an absolute belter of a try. Yeah, I did see I saw a
2: little bit of that. Um, my daughter was actually, Lila was in there watching it, so... Uh, no, that was a crazy, crazy try because that that game was on, it, which was good. Like it was, um, it was accessible to our younger girls and our younger generation. Mm. Whereas the 19, obviously the 19th men's game or boys' game was uh, later, so kids are in bed. But yeah, they got to watch the the 19th. I was sort of we just had it on while we were doing dinner and stuff here on Thursday. But uh, yeah, that was an incredible try.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh... A really, really good effort and a good game that one. And then the 19s men's game, like we said, um, New South Wales absolutely dominant. Started off tight, but turned into a blowout.
2: Well, started off tight because Queensland had the ball, really.
1: But um, yeah, I think some players to look out for, like we mentioned. uh, I'm particularly happy to see Jonah Peasant, who's at the Storm, play the way he did the other night. He had a real big hand in that win. Moriarty, who you tipped up, I thought he was good. Justin Matamua, who for us played as a half and a back row, was playing as a prop but handling the ball first, distributing, playing like a yo tight role. I thought he had a really good game. Um, yeah, he was, he was excellent, Justin. Mooney, no surprise. Tumuth, the other Tigers boy, no surprise. The one who I'd never seen, who I really enjoyed watching, was the Newcastle back row, Oren Keeley. He's a good footballer.
2: Yeah, tough and strong. Mm. Did his job.
1: And uh, I know Canberra obviously pushed a lot of their guys up in the cup and they're getting valuable experience earlier, but similar deal. I hadn't seen much of the winger. Um, Asamua, I thought he he got bombed. He took everything. His yardage work was good. His finishing was good. Um, they've got him, Morkos, Mooney. They, they had a lot of players in that game. So clearly a, a credit goes to the late Peter Mulholland for the work he did in his last few years there and some of the recruitment decisions they made. Yeah, they got a lot of good talent coming through, don't they? The Raiders. Mm. And on the flip side, uh, didn't really get to see as much as I would have liked from Blake Moser and, and Houth and a couple of the Queensland guys. But like to be honest, for the most part of the night, they're on the back foot. Um, the better team certainly dominated that contest, and, and you probably didn't get to see the best of uh, you know Fafita's cousin or Robert Toyo, who's got big raps at the Roosters, etc. And I know Isaiah Iongi had a hell of an impact at Penrith in recent weeks. But it just shows again the difference when you're playing off the back foot or. You're not going forward, and your spine players in particular, like I said, didn't get to see Moser. Duffy, who's potentially going to the Bulldogs from the Cowboys, put a nice kick in at one point, but probably the only guy there you really saw make a huge impact on the game was the Roosters front-rower and captain, Xavier Vaha. He just carried the house down.
2: He did, yeah. I think going back to your point before, that yeah, not being able to play on the back foot, like that, that's an issue we've got at in the game at the moment. The spine the best education you can give a spine player is teaching them how to play on the back foot
1: yeah
2: and sometimes as a half or a key position player you've got to generate your own momentum you've got to carry the ball get down up or find some space or try something a little bit different to earn that momentum not just keep doing the same thing and bitching and moaning that you don't have rock momentum or you're playing off the back foot you need to find a way to to generate it and I think that's what we really need to be doing to our young hearts, our 16s and 18s, uh, 21s. They need an education on, you know, of course, playing on the front foot and how you do that, but how how do I generate momentum for my team or how do I react and respond and how do I adjust when we're, we, we're playing off the back foot? Because that's the reality of footy. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes you, you're going to be playing off the back foot. So, yeah, and that's, that was sort of what Freddie said after Origin 1, which I thought was, yeah, not not... It's nothing against Freddie, but it's just, well, isn't that really where our game's at at the moment? Where we just talk about play the ball speed and ruck speed and sorry, surely we can we can do a better job as a game coaching our players, particularly our halves and key positions on how to generate their own momentum and and, and be able to play off the back foot.
1: Yeah, definitely. And uh, Moving on to the other games that were on, New Zealand. That crowd, the emotion, um, the war cries before the game, that was awesome. And what a sea of red. I think there was more Tongan fans there than there was uh, Kiwi fans, but that crowd was epic. But New Zealand, uh, that's that's a great way to start things off after being away for almost three years. And said it in the preview um, while you looked across the back lines, the forward packs, and thought these teams are both loaded. Despite, ultimately, for New Zealand, you thought would be the difference, and it certainly was, I thought. Jerome Hughes made a big stamp on that game. Brown had some nice moments. And Joseph Manu ran for 404 metres, which is absolutely ridiculous.
2: I think that's a new record.
1: Oh, that was, like I said, just out it of this broke, world. I think
2: it broke Clint Gutherson's record for Parramatta. It's the most, yeah, most running metres by fullback ever, I
1: think. And their forward pack was dominant. Um, you know, they, it, wasn't just, it wasn't just his running game, though. Manu. Like his ball playing, I think he hit Fisher Harris at one stage there. Like his passing game was really impressive. Mm. And that's, I think, the thing we see. I, I, it's a bit off topic, and again, we'll see how it plays out. But the talk around Kiri and his head knocks and what happens there and Walker's contract, if if anything was to change with one of those guys in the next year or two, I know they've got him signed up long term, but I'd happily move him into play six to get him around the football ball. Yeah, definitely. If, if something changed. Um, but yeah, I think their forward pack also was dominant, and that, that wasn't a surprise, but I just thought it would have been a little bit more even, but um, they really got it over. The Tongans, Fisher-Harris, Tarpany, whose form at club has been brilliant. Um, he was great again in this game and thought they just really won that middle part of the field. And in the end, similar deal to the origin game, 58% possession, dominant in that regard, um, an extra 800 metres, eight line breaks to one, which really reflects what I was talking about in terms of the spine when you've got those quality players. Um, you know, it was a big... Big task to put on someone like Amone, um, you know, the, the two hookers they have. Harvey. he's not really playing hooker recently. Luke's only played a handful of games for Penrith. Cooler at fullbacks, barely played first grade. You know, Stags at six, like, you know, the, he wasn't getting a whole lot of help there. So the biggest difference was the spine and obviously the go forward. But uh, come the World Cup, I'm sure, you know, there'll be more players once we figure out what's going on after Origin. I had a guy message me the other day from work saying, what's going on there or what do you think is going to happen? I really do hope that some of these guys choose to go back to the Tier 2 nations because it'll make the World Cup interesting. Yeah, we just want you a bit of players. Right? You know, you've got the potential that Samoa could pick up Luai and a couple of guys there and Tonga could get a couple more. I think I counted at least 14 or 15 players out of the 34 that played Origin that could potentially represent one of those countries.
2: Yeah, that, yeah, you just want your best players being available for the for the World Cup simple as that
1: mm, and I'll throw it out there yeah, provided now
2: provided that you're not going to disrespect International Rugby League no in, in that you're trying to make them you're reaching to find eligibility for them to play for certain countries provided that they they qualify I just think you should just pick be your best players
1: yeah I think it's a bit of a reality check because I know Mal Meninga's thrown up now going well they should have to pick and stick and have the reality but for a long time Australia also poached players as well so you can't have your cake and eat it I great. And on the flip side of that, for origin, well, you know, these guys are born here, so they do deserve to represent their states. But if they do have another heritage or for their parents, come a World Cup year. Don't we want international football to be better? We don't want Australia to stack up their squad with a bunch of guys or second or third picks, whether they're just part of the squad. Surely we'd rather them go play for nations that they have bloodlines to and, you know, boosting the international game. Yes, yeah. all right so I really think from that perspective depending how it plays out I had a look at the odds the other day I think New Zealand were about $4 depending what happens with some of those guys not representing um, Australia I, I like the like the New Zealand side I think I might have a dabble yeah yeah, but, um, yeah potentially we could have four really strong sides heading towards that World Cup uh, Samoa Cookies Cook Islands a um, bit of a play game. probably could have been a bit more but I guess this one's just the difference in quality. There's a couple of guys that have obviously had some experience in systems, played some first-grade football, but the Samoan side was fairly heavily stacked and, again, could be even stronger come the World Cup. And uh, you know The floodgates opened very, very early. The Cook Islanders were able to stem the flow and grab a couple of tries in the second half there, but at the back end, uh, Samoa continued to blow the door off the hinges and not for luma. Grab four Tago Taylor and May um, the Penrith boys had an absolute field day and their edges had an absolute field day eight tries
2: yeah just outclassed them didn't
1: they yeah Simple
2: as that.
1: hard task like we said for a lot of guys that um, you know probably aren't playing at as high level they had a lot of guys that are cup players or massive players and a few younger guys there that are going to keep progressing you know you got a good glimpse again of a couple of the young Brisbane forwards uh, Xavier Willison who played a couple of games last year Pia Kroor, as I spoke about, signed that huge deal. Um, you know, the young fullback, K.I.R.O., played a pretty good game. He's in the Shark system trying to make his way through. And then you had some of those veterans. Uh, your mate, Def Janiella, got a late call-up, played on the wing. Anthony Gelling, who's played over here and in, in the Super League, uh, you know, had a partner to play. Arono obviously spent some time in the NRL. So, um, yeah, there was a couple of guys there on, on all different ends of the scale. But Samoa, really dominant. Um, that yeah,
2: plus the Rennie boys who were With us at Mounties
1: last year? Yeah. But Mounties, uh, like I said, not Mounties, sorry. Samoa, really dominant. Their back five, almost all of them, 100 plus, 200 plus metres, 1,000 metres almost between the back five. Halves had a field day playing off the back of them. Harris, Tevita, and Milford, and Martin Tapau, Molo, et cetera, just laid a really good platform. So, again, um, pending who they get back for the World Cup, going to have a really, really strong outfit, uh, Matt Parrish, leading them uh, over to play in that World Cup.
2: Yeah, like you said on the previous show, we did a, a pose with them on Wednesday night, and that was, yeah, that was super impressive.
1: Yep, and the last one surprised a lot of people, but again, Fiji will be stronger come World Cup time, but Papua New Guinea, um, I think this is one, and my, my partner's watched a lot of football with me recently and starting to understand things a bit more, but she sort of said, uh, kick out doesn't look you know as comfortable or as dominant as what he is when he plays in the club side, and like, well, that's sort of the difference when you don't have spine players or regular halves or people who can control and steer the game around and get you the ball you sort of need. And On the flip side of that, Papua New Guinea had a lot of guys that are from their local comp or their Queensland Cup team, but the pair of halves they had in Lachlan Lamb, who still with the Roosters and Labour who spent plenty of time in the Cowboys system, were able to kick off the back foot, were able to fend and absorb pressure and in critical moments they took advantage of the situation. Yeah, um, Yep. Yeah. Spot on, I
2: was <clears throat> surprised in the just the difference in price. The, they rated Fiji almost slammed onto in that game,
1: didn't they? Yeah, well, and then again, field position, possession, everything sort of was in their favour. But again, when you don't have, I guess, genuine spine players or particular genuine halves um, to take advantage of those opportunities, it didn't matter how many times they marched up field. The limited opportunities uh, Papua New Guinea got were iced because they had, you know, probably better quality in their halves, and that their, their halves were certainly the difference in icing those opportunities. Lachlan Lamb really had one of his uh, best games, or probably a breakout game for him. Olam had some nice moments. Johnston as well. Nixon Putt, who's been a long-time name up in Queensland Cup there, um, you know, he, he had some pretty good moments as well, and as we always know from them, they're just all effort, they're all heart, and um, I think Fiji would be ruining a little bit um, the opportunities they had, and they weren't able to take them, but Kevin Aguama, he's not a genuine six. I don't know much about the halfback Massima, but Come the World Cup again, I think I looked the other day at who was missing for them. There's about 11 or 12 guys between Super League and NRL who were not available. So you're talking the potential for them to have the Safiti twins, Regan Campbell-Gillard, Tarek Sims, Corbin Sims, more outside backs. Again, I, I don't really know if there's too many in the way of the spine. You'd think Arpi Korosow, if he's not playing for Australia, will be an upgrade at nine for them. Um, but they're, they're certainly going to have a stronger all-round squad. That two guys play. For them who play for us at Mounties in the Ron Massey setup, Penny tugging yeah. tui Moore and Kaelin Miller. So um, I don't know if they'll make it in that squad. I hope they do. But there's certainly you know, 10, 11 guys to come back. It's going to be a tough ask.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'd, I'd be pulling for them and really hoping that they can get into that squad. Yeah, I guess it will depend on how many NRL come from both. Mm.
1: But I guess the real star for them on the night was... Sonia Taruva, and we already know that Penrith's got plenty of, like we said, basically, and are already guys playing in their New South Wales Cup set up, but he had an absolute blinder, 250 metres, 100 post contacts, scored a double, he was in absolutely everything, and I think probably the more impressive thing is, it's not even just the flash in in the game or the moments, it's the work rate, and it was very much in the mould of what Dylan Edwards does, just always on the ball, cleaning everything up, pushing around the football, Like he was just, he was everywhere. <laughs> Uh, um, again, I don't know how much more popular New Guinea have to add to their squad. I don't think there was many missing. And David Mead has been a great servant to the game. He retires after that great win and scoring a try on that win. So he'll be a loss for them heading into the World Cup. But um, Fiji, no doubt, will get much stronger with the inclusion of potentially up to 10 more players. Yeah. Yeah. And there you go. That wraps up the rep round side of things. There was also some games during the week. We had a couple other boys play. And uh, some games we had a, uh, one of our guys play for Lebanon against Malta. I think they're sort of doing almost like a trial to figure out games. Yeah, so they're sort of figuring out who they're going to take. So um, exciting, you know. After COVID and a couple of years there for the international game, hopefully, like I said, some guys go to those tier two nations and strengthen it up and make it something worthwhile watching. Because, like I said, to me, the international game's always been a little bit underwhelming. Bar the few times New Zealand have been strong challengers, because it's just always felt like a fate to complete that. You know, it's Australia versus whoever gets to the final, but um, if some of these guys Australia do... Australia versus England or New yeah. Zealand. So if one of it these...
2: Probably, it'll probably be that, plus you can throw in Tonga and Samoa, who'll probably be a little bit closer mm. this time
1: round. And we're talking, like I said, potentially, you know, you've got Corusio, you've got Stephen Crichton, Daniel Tupo, Stags, who obviously played and then got dropped... Um, for Sulama, are Awi, Josh Papaliti, there's a lot of guys there that have the option to go back and play for Samoa and Tonga and some of these second-tier nations and really make this World Cup something special. Yep, 100%. So um, I think overall this weekend, well, I enjoyed those international games probably more in terms of a contest and just after such a long break without the football. And um, never complain as a New South Wales fan when you get a great win, but overall it wasn't, wasn't that enjoyable of a game. No, nah, it sort of fizzled out. Uh, never complain about us winning, but I'm hoping that no hoping that the decider is a much better contest. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, for our charity account, thanks to Bluebet.com.au. If you're gonna have a bet with anyone, do it with Bluebet.com.au. Found a winner. Had Maddie Burton anytime, so that's ninety-five into the kitty, and I think from off the top of my head that takes us up to five hundred and seventy-two dollars for our charity, Bears of Hope. So hopefully you get. Some more winners in the weeks to come, and the offer they had for man of the match to beat Munster or Cleary at five dollars obviously came up trumps with Cleary having a big game. So, if you're on that one, big, uh, you know, plenty of uh, coin, I'm sure got paid out. So, good one there by bluebet.com.au. Box Boxhead, anything else to add? No, there you go. What are we Sorry. gonna do?
2: We're we gonna do a preview later in the week. Is that what we're doing?
1: Yeah, well, I guess. Tomorrow is Tuesday, and the round kicks off. There's a kick-off on Thursday again, so... it's I not think
2: so, yeah. Manly and... Manly, Melbourne on Thursday.
1: So we either back it up straight away tomorrow night or Wednesday? Probably Wednesday. There you go. So we'll see how things go, but if not, uh, you'll hear from us tomorrow or Wednesday for preview of the round. So it'll just be... Yeah, we might as well do Wednesday, actually, because it'll be a bit shorter. Just be a preview on yep. tips. Yeah. Um... It'll be about a half hour, so... There you go. So... Everybody there Fingers crossed That everybody gets through You know Safe with injury And suspension And they're available For Origin 3 And what a game we have If you're lucky enough To get your hands on tickets They were already sold out Before kickoff There was only single seats left They're all gone now I had to look on eBay To see if there was anything Up for sale There was nothing up for sale So people holding on tight After a couple of years Have not been able to go uh, To the football Particularly from New South Wales And anywhere else So um, That's a hot ticket To get to that decider Yeah but there you go. Box it. I'll speak to you Wednesday night, and for everybody out there, we'll uh, enjoy your week and we'll talk some more footy.
2: Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?